Like you very much, just as you are, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Bridget Jones Diary Week here, and we read the book. I'm Adam Heap. I'm Lois Mitchell, and we're joined today by new guest Shanae Kelly. Hello. Welcome. Um, so we'll start off with just a great uh, icebreaker question. What's your embarrassing experience in front of someone you're attracted to, Lois? <laughs> um, I think my generic one is uh, at work. A very attractive substitute teacher came into my office to ask where a classroom was. My brain just literally shorted out. And I just <laughs> I just stared at them for like several seconds, just not knowing how words worked. Um, it was really embarrassing. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. And that was the only real show you ever had at, at being married, so you know, now that's Shut gone. Up, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, funny because it's true. <laughs> Shady? I don't know. I, prob- I probably have a whole bunch from when I was, like, young and awkward, but I don't know. I think I... It's like I last think... year? Yep. Um... <laughs> I'm just on fire this morning. Uh, We're going to set you on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I probably do really stupid, embarrassing stuff in, in front of my partner all the time, but the, the great thing about that is we're both equally dorky, so it's just kind of like, oh, it's your turn today. Cool. <laughs> That's the thing, being in a, like a long-term relationship, you just like lose count, which is great. Um, <laughs> I can't count the amount of like embarrassing things that I've probably done in front of Kat. Uh, I mean, I do remember very early on, like when we were dating, like I went to like speak some sort of like nice romantic sentence and just burped instead. So that was <laughs> a classic. Yeah, class act from me. Um, yeah, there's there's just I agree. Like when you're like long-term relationships, they just like add up and up and up and up. And when so. whenever like there's one of those moments where things are kind of sweet and kind of romantic and someone burps, Aaron or I usually follow that up with saying, romance. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I'm going to use that in future. It's pretty fun. It definitely diffuses any residual awkwardness. But not the the smell. Oh, no, definitely not that. (laughs) Um, We're talking about Bridget Jones's diary this week. What a classic. Yeah. so we're going to take a vote on whether we prefer the book or the film. So it's the 1996 Helen Fielding novel, which was actually adapted from newspaper, like, column stuff. Like, I think it was originally started off as, like, newspaper column entries, which is mm. an interesting uh, origin. And the 2001 adaptation of that book, by, uh, directed by Sharon Maguire, who is a friend of Helen Fielding's. So what did we prefer, Lois? I preferred the book. I felt that the book book was much more about how Bridget felt that she was weird and awkward, but that nobody else felt that she was. Mm. Whereas the movie brought in a bunch of tropes that she was actually weird and awkward. Yeah. And I preferred the one where it was about the fact that she didn't, she needed her friends and family and stuff to actually show her to love herself. Mm. But not in a. It wasn't done in a soppy way. It was yep. done in a really nice way in the book. Um, I re- and I really enjoyed reading the book. I didn't think I would, and I really, really did. So, mm. yeah, I'm gonna go book. Should I? I'd say book as well for sure. Um, going back and rewatching the movie after reading the book for the first time was a really interesting experience because I think that I conflated the Bridget Jones movie with a lot of other movies around the time that Renee Zellweger was in. And so I kind of thought that the movie was going to be a lot more fun than my rewatching it after reading the book actually ended up being. The book is, the book has a lot more nuance and it's definitely a lot more about Bridget's relationship with herself as she navigates relationship with her friends and family. Whereas I totally agree with what you said about the movie being tropey. There was a lot of, like, just weird... It, I, I felt like the movie centred a lot more around her being in, like, a, a romance triangle and yeah. everything else was kind of a bit secondary to that, whereas I felt the book was much more centred on Bridget figuring out herself and figuring out what she wants from her life. Yeah. 
So I didn't uh, read the book, unfortunately, just due to time constraints. Um, I have seen the film and, uh, like, I still don't know if I liked it enough that I would prefer it over whatever the book might have been. Like, I, I don't think that you would. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm generally not a fan of, like, diary style, uh, like, the style that the book is written in. Like, I've read the first 20 pages or so. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Mm. Um, this is, look, this is not my genre anyway, so I'm going to defer to you two on this one, but, um... It's not my genre either. I really don't, I don't like romantic comedies, I don't like romance movies, and I, I don't like diary or letter-style books either, but for some reason this one held my attention. Let's, uh, see how we go then. Uh, the question is then, is it a good adaptation of, uh, is the film a good adaptation of this book? I think it's decent, but there were a lot of... Yeah, there there was. I, th I feel there was a lot of complexity that was lost between the book and the movie, and I understand why. I understand obviously that they had to make changes to the script and to the way that the story was presented to turn it into more of the classic, you know, late nineties, early two thousands rom com. But yeah, there were there were a lot of things in the book that were very. I found them thought-provoking in a very surprising way that I felt like was really missed out on in the movie, which was a bit disappointing. Yeah, I felt they missed a lot of stuff with uh, Mr. Darcy mm. in his characterization. They got Daniel correct, and I want to talk about the casting of those two characters because it's hilarious. Very. <laughs> um, but um, we'll, we'll do that when we get down to casting. But yeah, I, I just felt there was something missing in the movie. But yeah, it is a good adaptation. It okay. follows the story, so. Yep. You think so? Because I've read my research, well, there's some pretty big like, oh, plot points that differ, especially towards the end. Yeah, mm. it doesn't um follow her mother's plot story. Yeah, that was just kind of There's a really dropped. huge outlandish plot that goes on with her mother, which they, they really dulled down for the movie. But they had to, because otherwise it would have taken over the last, pretty much the whole movie, it would have had to. Hmm. And I didn't mind what they did, that what they did with it. Yeah, okay, so it's more beneficial, you think, that they've yeah. removed the life past that. Cool. Uh, so a plot summary for those of you who have never read or seen uh, Bridget Jones' diary. 30-something Bridget Jones begins a diary to help her lose weight and find her Mr. Right. Two men, Bridget Jones' boss Daniel Cleaver and childhood acquaintance Mark Darcy, are both considered for the position in the course of Bridget's roller coaster year, where she... Uh, very research-based, weighs up their pros and cons. Yes. A lot of, it's just a lot of pie charts. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the cast, then. Yeah. Uh, so I've really, literally only written the uh, main three, because they're really all that matters here, and there's not a lot of other people Oh, there's Jim Broadbent. Yeah, I, he was the one I was going to write, and then I was like, eh, but no one else is really like relevant at all. <laughs> and I love Jim Broadbent. I just watched Harry Potter and the um, Deathly Hallows last night. Is he in that? Yeah, he's in Slughorn. I haven't seen it. What? Yes. That's we just right. literally had this conversation yeah. like five weeks ago. <laughs> uh, so Renee Zellweger as Bridget Jones. Now, before we talk about her, here are some of the other options that would uh, could have been presented to us. Helena Bonham Carter, Kate Blanchett, Rachel Weisz, Cameron Diaz, Tony Collette, Kate Winslet. Uh, Rachel Weisz would, would have done a good job. Mm. I think. She's the um, love interest in The Mummy. Yes. <laughs> of The Mummy. Yes. Yeah. The Mummy, just of The Mummy. Yep. <laughs> well, of <laughs> Brendan Fraser. Fraser in The Mummy, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think any of those... Kate Winslet might have done a good job. She was apparently... Uh, uh, got turned down because she was too young, was the decision in the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she would have been very this young is at four, that point. This is four years after Titanic, though. Yeah, but she, but Renee Zellweger reads as, I mean, she's probably mid to late 20s here, yeah. but she looks a young, she could be a young 30-something. Um, so what do you think, her performance good suits the character? Yeah, I think Renee Zellweger does a really good job in this role. I was thinking when I was watching it, she doesn't get enough kudos as a physical performer. Mm. She does so many pratfalls in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> she does endearingly awkward really well. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, awkward is, like, one of my least favourite things to watch, but, like, when I was watching this, uh, I did find it entertaining. Like, mm. she was... And I often don't... Th whenever I think of Renee Zellweger, like, she's not one of my favourite actresses, but, like, 
I th- it's clear to see why she made a big name for herself in doing this film because it's it's a very like strong performance. Well, and she she literally like bears everything in very unflattering ways, mm. like the shot of her butt coming down the fireman's pole, and um, you know all of those shots of her struggling into you know underwear and everything. I mean, she's got an amazing body, but. That's very confronting mm. to have to do as an as a young actress, and she just pulls it off. So I, I yeah, I think she does a really really good job. Yeah, there's not a lot of physical comedy done by women in movies around that time at all. I don't think. Yeah, most of your rom com women are very like poised and mm. or like the most kind of klutzy thing they do is maybe like you know trip or. Like, Which often takes them out of frame rather than focusing on. Yeah, exactly. What's like when to you them. see her, when you see her fall, you see her actually fall and sprawl on the ground, mm. which makes her feel like more realistic. Hugh Grant as Daniel Cleaver. Perfect. So 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 hilariously just cartoonishly villainous. It's yeah. really funny. Um. So you won't know this, but um, because you didn't finish the book, but. Hugh Grant and Colin Firth, the actors, are mentioned in the book. Really? Yes. Yep. When she gets her job at the TV station, they they talk about um, this was recently after Hugh Grant had slept with a prostitute while he was married to, can't remember who the actress was. I don't know either. But um, he got a blowjob from a prostitute and it had been splashed all over the papers. And so at her news job that she gets... They talk about that and about, and they're like, oh, well, you know, we should run a story on that about how he's, you know, such a cad and whatever. And then they also talk about how everybody in the country is watching um, Pride and Prejudice and how um, the Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth Bennet in that are dating. And And Bridget says, oh, we should follow the two actors, Colin Firth and... I don't know who the actress is. And so then it's so funny that Hugh Grant and Colin Firth sign up to do this movie as these two characters. It's like they've they've lent into the stereotypes that the book talks about about with them. Yeah. So yeah, I like knowing that that that's in the book, it it added an extra level of it actually added an extra level to both of their performances for me because I thought like, oh, you're you're kind of doing this a bit tongue in cheek as well. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of interesting, I think almost satirical undertones in the book that didn't happen the same way in the movie, but once you start digging into the background of the movie and the book, you start noticing a lot more. Like knowing how sort of self-referential those two like actors being in the movie that made me listen to the music in the movie a lot more and notice how sort of weirdly comedic a lot of the music was at certain times that that should have been a bit more dramatic or a bit more meaningful. They were with the music just being like, yeah, we're not actually taking ourselves as seriously as we seem to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think they're both great in this. Like yeah. They play off each other really well. I mean, would they have been in something together before this, do you think? They actually weren't. I looked it up because I was like, I wonder how many movies these two men have been in together. And it was like, nah, None. nothing oh, okay. before this that I could find. And I was like, really surprised as well. So they have some pretty good chemistry straight off the bat then yeah. um, with each other. Like that, I think that fight scene between the two is pretty uh, iconic. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> um. So I didn't realise I hadn't seen this movie before. I must have, I've seen uh, Bridget Jones, but I must have seen the second one. Oh, yeah. Because I was picturing... In the second one, is there a scene where Darcy fights um, Cleaver again, but in a fountain? Is that right? I didn't think I'd seen the second one, but now I'm thinking I may have, because that is ringing a lot of bells. I had this image of that anyway. Maybe it's not from the second Bridget Jones, but... I had this image of that, and it wasn't in this movie, and I was like, okay, well, what am I thinking of? <laughs> Maybe you just saw Hugh Grant and Colin Firth fighting in a fountain one day. <laughs> yeah. Because I thought that in the uh, whatever movie that is, they make 
because they're making a direct because Colin Firth is wearing a white shirt in the scene oh. and they're making a direct reference to Pride and Prejudice yep. when Mr. Darcy comes to the door and he's drenching yep. soaking wet from the rain in a white shirt um, and I also thought yeah there's a couple of other references I think because like just the way he's so closed off like that's very he's very much emulating that character yeah anyway he made me have a lot of feelings I have to say I had about nine feelings watching this movie, and I was very upset. <laughs> yeah, every everyone is very young and very attractive in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> and just like how quiet he is, and and when he says like "I love you just as you are," oh, yeah, I was like my heart. <laughs> what everyone wants to be told. It is. Uh, let's dig into the plot and talk a bit about that, because that's really all we do on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, so we start off, uh, we're just for reference, we're going to be following the plot of the film because we didn't decide what we preferred beforehand. So that's what I've written down, and so we'll just mention the differences in the book as we come across them. And there mm. are a few. Mm. Uh, so we start off with uh, Bridget kind of being humiliated at a party that she goes to by Mark, who just like is an old acquaintance she happens to meet up with, and, like basically insults her to her face as her, his mum is trying to set him up with her. Yeah, so this is already different in the book. So it it is the same... In the movie, like, basically, her mother has invited him to be like, date this man. (laughs) Um, And she's immediately on the defensive. And he's weird and awkward with her in the book. Not, he, she doesn't overhear him insulting her. He's just weird. And she goes, oh, what a weirdo. And closes the door on that and thinks like, oh, my mum's always trying to set me up with men who are weird. And just goes, nuts. And she's interested in Cleaver anyway, so she's like, I don't, wa- I don't want to date this guy. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, just in reading about this, there's been there's a lot less of Mark in the first half of this book, am I right? Yeah. He kind of comes in and out a couple of times, but very, very briefly. Do you think it benefits the film in changing that to kind of introduce this character earlier? Um, to establish that potential... Well, though they still romance. introduce him at the same time in the book. And... All the events that happen in the movie that he's at are the same as the book. So, like, the party she goes to for her work, he's there. But there's a huge gap between them, between the New Year's, the after Christmas thing, and the work thing. There's about five months gap of diary between the two. So they keep all the, the events the same. They just remove the intervening events. Is that more beneficial than you think for the, like, obviously, takes a bit, you can't follow everything in the film due to time constraints, but does it focus it better, do you think? Yeah, I think it focuses it better. I think what they've taken out in those intervening months is a lot of stuff about her mum and dad. Mm. Yep, yeah. definitely. Which we've already mentioned, kind of. Yeah. So in the, anyway. yeah, maybe we'll talk about what happens in the book here so that we don't have to keep going back and talking about it. Yeah. So, um, pretty soon after Christmas... Um, Bridget's mum calls her, or no, Bridget goes around there and, and her mum is acting strangely, very short with her dad. And then within the next week, she's left him and her dad's like, you know, completely beside himself. And her mum's flitting around London with this guy called Julio and (laughs) great name. (laughs) And Bridget's like, oh my God, she's having a mental breakdown basically. And But she, like, it shows in the book what a nice person Bridget is, is that she still supports both parents. She doesn't, like, turn against her mum and she doesn't, obviously her dad hasn't done anything wrong, but, like, she just, like, listens to both of them and she doesn't really, she sort of grumbles about her mum calling her and her mum interfering in her life. But she, at the end of the day, she is there for her when she needs her. And her mum, you know, gets this male friend and this male friend and blah, blah. And then she gets a job in TV and she's presenting a show um, where she talks to recently divorced women and basically, like, gets them to cry on TV um, about how pathetic their lives are. And it's, like, really annoying for Bridget because she's single. And then you kind of, you kind of, like, just see them, see Julio and Bridget's mum in the background of a lot of things, parties and things. 
And then it all comes to a head when her mum calls her and says, oh, can I borrow some money? Or she says, oh, we're going to Portugal. And Bridget's like, you didn't tell me that. She's like, yes, I did. I did. I did. She says, oh, can I borrow some money? I've left. I'm on my way to the airport and I've left my, my bank- traveler's checks. Yeah, traveler's checks and bank card at the house and I can't go back and get them. So Bridget goes and gets 200 pounds out of a ATM and her mum's acting really weirdly, like takes the money and just walks off. And then the next night her dad calls her and tells her that Julio and her mum are wanted by the police for fraud, basically. They basically, Julio, through her mum, has been sharing, has been selling timeshares that don't exist. Um, it's even worse than regular timeshare. Yeah, and all, all, all their, all his, her dad's friends have been brought in, and the his her family home was in her mother's name, and that's been um, foreclosed on, and by this time she's you know kind of doing a bit of tete a tete with Mark. So and Mark's a lawyer, so he he helps her and basically flies to Portugal and brings her mum back and it turns out that her mum didn't really know what was going on so and she's cooperative and provides all the information that the police need but she's very like her mum's hilarious because she's very like oh this silly business let's not talk about it anymore and everyone's (laughs) like everyone's like um it's pretty serious and she's like no no it's all over with now like (laughs) um and um she comes back and basically after a little bit her parents get back together and then on christmas day i think i think it's christmas day mm. julio appears in the house and he's like challenging her dad to a fight and then oh yeah he's like drunk yeah he's like you sleep with my in, woman you sleep with my woman it's very caveman it's yeah. very it's it's quite terrible <laughs> um it is funny though yeah and um I especially like the bit, so her mum's like, oh, Julio, come upstairs. And then basically Mark comes in and is like, the police are outside. We lured him back to England so we could charge him by telling him that your mama got back together with your dad. <laughs> and um, he's like, you need to get your mum downstairs so the police can go upstairs and arrest him. And she gets her mum downstairs. And then her mum's like, um, says something and Bridget's like, mum, you're... Blouse is inside out. <laughs> so good. Um, I, I believe she lures her mother downstairs with the same sort of joke that's at the beginning of the movie where her, like, Auntie Una or whatever her Una, name was, yeah. yeah, is arguing with her mother about the gravy. Oh, yeah. So she literally calls upstairs to her mother, Una's about to strain the gravy. Yeah. <laughs> and her mum comes running. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's that whole subplot, and basically in the movie, because we probably won't talk about it that much, um, her mum does leave her dad for a guy who's on TV. Called Julian. Called Julian. But he's, he's on the home shopping network, and he basically gives her a job as his, like... Glamorous assistant. Yeah, like, the, the lady who, like, just, like, holds her hands out and, like, gestures at the thing. While he talks about it, and over the over the course of the movie, she gets bored with him, and at the end goes back to her dad. It's much more it's much more evocative of the Pride and Prejudice storylines in the book. Like you can definitely see that they were trying to go through. Oh, what's her youngest sister's name? And she runs off with that guy. I should have I should have gone through this again. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm I can't remember. Yeah, it's, it, you can definitely see the parallels to the whole Pride and Prejudice narrative much more clearly in the book with, with the storyline with her mum. It, it's, it's much more complex and more fun in the book, but I can definitely see why they couldn't bring that into the movie because it would have it been a huge distraction. And yeah. a much longer movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so we're right at the beginning of the book, of the film. <laughs> I think it's important to get yeah, that out no, of the way. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's more than stops from talking about it every five minutes or so. Yeah. So Bridget's kind of humiliated this party by Mark and resolves to turn her life around and that's how she gets the idea for the diary. And we start, there's a lot of like introducing stuff so we find out that she's into her boss Daniel Kleber at work, which is Hugh Grant, who is a jerky womanizer. Yep. You know, everything. 
everything that Bridget Jones like in her diary is like, I want to avoid this kind of guy. Yeah, she's like masochists, sadists, perverts, um, <laughs> egoists, emotional yeah, misogynists, emotional fuckwits. Yeah, everyone who this and that all comes down to one person. And then this is like a shot of an elevator opening and Hugh Grant standing there. It's really great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so in talking to him, uh, like, because uh, just through various life events, like Daniel and Mark tend to pop up quite a lot for her. Um, Daniel, uh, tells her that him and Mark were friends, uh, until Mark slept with Daniel's fiance. And we don't find out until later that this is a gross lie. Yes. Which doesn't actually happen in the book. No, yeah, that lie is, like, doesn't happen at all, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, she they, just doesn't know. Yeah, she doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't find out until quite late in the book. Mark which... is just very private about why he hates Daniel. Yeah. Um, so you think it's done just to make Daniel more of a jerk? Yeah, I think in like we said, this movie's very tropey, and the tropes of rom coms would be to have a guy who the audience knows is wrong for her, but we need like specific things to latch onto, even though audiences are smarter than this but like this was made in like 2001 so like the thinking is you need specific things to latch on to that you can be like he is a bad guy mm. and so you know the fact that then you find out that this was a lie is like another lumping on top of being like this is a bad person yeah yeah i my my notes from the movie like pretty much straight away was noting how much more of an overt like, I don't want to say villain, but how much more overtly just shit that Daniel was in the movie compared to the book. In the book, he does do a lot of the same sort of, like, jerk move stuff that he does in the movie. But in the book, because Bridget is trying to sympathize with him and is kind of seeing all of his behavior in this light of, oh, well, you know, he's very attractive, even though he doesn't do the things that I would quite like. In the movie, it's it's much more straight up, like, he is an absolute dick. <laughs> well, yeah, and in the, in the book, too, um, she does have fun with him. Mm. They show a little bit of that in the movie. Mm. But there is a really extended period of time where I guess we don't know whether he's cheating that whole time. Yeah. And I don't know if that's supposed to be the assumption. My assumption wasn't that he was cheating that whole time. Mm. My assumption was that he got bored and cheated towards the end, mm. which is wrong, but he seems much more like a real person in the book. Like, he does really like her. And in the book also, I think in the movie, she just has sex with him straight away. Is that right? Yeah, I feel, like it, I feel like the movie is very much an accelerated timeline of the yeah. events. Which the is book. not an uncommon thing for no, adaptations, you know, like you've got to just chow down on a bunch of time stuff. Yeah, but I feel like it's really important in the book that she doesn't put up with his bullshit, so it's really important that the first time he gets her, like, mostly into bed, and then uh, he says, he, just before, like, basically taking her clothes off he's like oh just you know this is just casual and she just pushes him off and goes oh you're an idiot okay um i'm going and i think that that's really important in the book because then after that after that where she says i'm not interested in you if that's all you want he pursues her whereas in the movie it's like there's a little bit of like oh, well, it's her fault for sleeping with him. Mm. You kind of, that's kind of where you're being positioned. It's like, oh, well, she should have known kind of thing, where it's a bit more complicated in the book. Anyway. It seems like a lot of decisions, uh, from what I've read, like various reviews and things like that, it does seem like they take away a bit of the, I don't want to say like, femi feminism is not the right kind of word for it, but like her, her, agency maybe like there's a lot of feminist stuff in this book yeah no no but i'm saying they they take a lot of that out of the movie yeah. like for that character like to, they they dial it back a bit just through some of the choices they make maybe not like i think over oversimplified is yeah. probably a good way to to sum it up yeah 
so we have this party in the countryside and it comes up. Uh, Mark and his work colleague Natasha are there. And uh, I think Natasha's played by the girl who played um, Miss Honey. Yes. Matilda. That was super weird. That was super weird for me. I have not seen her in any other movie. And her turning up as this kind of like, this character that you're supposed to be like, oh, she's such a bitch. I was like, but she's not. <laughs> um, they're both there. Um, uh, so. Oh, I think you're. I think you're conflating two, you're conflating two events. There's the party, and then there's the weekend in the countryside. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not a party in the countryside. Okay. So there's the work party where um, Bridget works for a publishing house, and um, there's the work party where they're um, the launch for Kafka's motorbike, which is the book that they're promoting. Oh, I think. And she does the she does the speech. Yeah. The most awkward speech in the whole world. Yeah, but they do they do go away for their mini break vacation yeah, that's, that's thing after. just before the party in the countryside that that Daniel runs no, off no, beforehand. It's after because when she returns yeah, yeah. home, she finds she finds that he's cheating. I was very sleep deprived when I rewatched yeah. the movie, so <laughs> no, you know, it's, I, yeah, I so trust you. I trust you. So, yeah. Yeah. So there's the party where they launch the book. Yeah. And that's when she sees Mark and you kind of see that they have similar senses of humor. Like he's teasing her a bit and she gets a bit affronted, but like not in a real way. She's kind of like, oh, is he kind of mimicking me in the way that he's introducing people? Because mm. she's trying really hard to be professional. Mm. And, um, and then, yeah, this woman comes up and he, and, and she kind of feels a bit, bit frumpy standing next to her and um and that's when you get the first inklings that Mark isn't just Mark um who's her parents friend's son yep. that he's actually this hotshot lawyer because she didn't know that before because mm. people are saying like oh of course I know you by reputation and things like that and then after that so that's when she gets together with Daniel yep then so then she has a little while with Daniel and then they go on a weekend away. Yes. And they're at this country manor and um Daniel leaves early. Yeah. And Mark and Natasha, who's the who's the colleague, are there as well. Yep. 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 And so she leaves early, but she leaves a little early as well because she just can't stand being early around that, right? And she So he to... drops her he drops her at the um prostitutes and priests party. Tarts and yes. Vickers. Yeah, Tarts and Vickers and party. Vickers. It's very um, English, yeah. So yeah. British. So the whole idea was them, they would go away for the weekend and then on the way home they would go to this party of her parents' friends um, and it would be his first time coming and meeting everybody as her boyfriend kind of thing. And then the morning of the party he says, I have to go home. So he's ditching her and it's like really unfair. For business. For work, <laughs> quote unquote. And um, anyway, so she donned this sexy rabbit outfit and um goes to the party and the theme has changed and nobody told her so she's the only one dressed as a prostitute (laughs) it's like the stuff of nightmares yeah and so she goes home yeah and she goes to daniel's apartment and she comes in and she's got like a sixth sense that something's wrong and she like Burst into the bedroom, but there's no one there, and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm being insane," and and she's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm gonna go. I've had a terrible day. I'm being crazy," and she's like, "I'm gonna go home and get in the bath and call me later and blah blah," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you do that," and he's being like all placating and like nice boyfriend and stuff, and then she goes downstairs and she's just about to leave and she sees a woman's coat hanging on the coat rack, and she goes upstairs, opens the bathroom door, and there's a naked lady in the bathroom. <laughs> Which in the book is a balcony, I think. Yeah, she's yeah. like sunbathing on the balcony. Yeah, which, you know, is a perfectly normal thing to do. Yeah, naked on the balcony. Yeah. In England. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably like 10 degrees. Yeah. Yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously that's not great. Yeah. For her. Um, and so she, like, breaks it off. So she has another, she has yet another, about four times in this yeah, book. Yeah, well, so it's funny in this book, I like in the diary format that like every couple of chapters, she's like, okay, new me. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like that as well? Yeah. I thought it was really funny because yeah. that's, that's so, that's so me. <laughs> I found myself re- like 
empathizing with this character so much. It's like, you have like a rough couple of weeks and you're like, okay, no more. I'm going to be a new person now. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the book starts off with her New Year's resolutions and like the first list is stuff that she's not going to do. And then the second list, list is stuff that she's going to try and do. And they're just, they're like weird inverse mirrors of each other. She's like, I'm not going to smoke anymore. And then on the to-do list is like, give up smoking. It's like, you've just written the same thing twice. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I don't think she gives up smoking ever the whole year. No. I think there's like a couple of diary entries where she doesn't have a cigarette. And then the day after is like, I've had seven. Don't talk to me about it. And I'm just like, yeah. mm. it's funny. I wonder like, if you made this film now, like, whether that character still like smokes a lot, because like, I think, She'd the, be vaping. The, yeah, she would vaping. be vaping. <laughs> Just because the taboos have kind of changed. Like, it's definitely much, I much was, more. It was weird watching everyone smoke all the time. Mm. It was kind of gross. Yeah. And in the, in the, oh man, something that I found quite, like, weirdly confronting when I first cracked open the book is every diary entry starts off with her weight, how many calories she's eaten, how many units of alcohol she's drunk and how many cigarettes and I was like if she didn't talk about any of the other sort of you know social pressures of you know being a woman and trying to be conventionally attractive just the fact that that was at the beginning of every entry was so weird and confronting for me also I have again didn't read a ton of it but like I'm pretty sure I'm reading what someone said about like because it's in pounds because it's a British thing but like was the weight that she was like often at like not around like something like 55 kilos oh yeah it was which is like not normal. big at so they, all. they touch on they actually touch on this several times in the book so she gets down to her goal weight so I must have been reading the British oh, yeah. version because it was in stone. Yeah, that's what I had. Nine well. oh, stone. So yeah, yeah. So, so she wanted to yep. do eight stone seven, um, and I just gave up, like trying to figure out what that was, but that it was low, basically. Mm. And um, she finally gets to eight stone seven, and everyone tells her she looks sick. She goes to a party, and everyone's like, "Are you okay?" And then quite a few of her, she says, "Oh, you know, I got, I got down to my goal weight," and her friends say to her. I liked you before, mm. especially she's got this, one of her best friends or her best friend is this gay guy called Tom. Yeah. And he's always really honest with her. Yeah. Yeah. That's like 55 kilos was her goal weight. Yeah. That's like mm. that's so nothing. thin. That's nothing. That's a child. That's, that's practically probably underweight. Yeah. And he says to her, like, I liked you. I liked you before. And then there's another point where he's feeling self-conscious about his body and he's like, I need to go on a diet. How do you diet? Because she's always on a diet. And she's saying, oh, aim for about 1,000 calories a day. And he's like, don't you need 2,000 calories just to function? And she's like, she realizes that she doesn't even think of calories as something her body needs anymore. She just thinks of food as good or bad. Yeah, there's there's a couple of there's a couple of lines in the book that I that I actually wrote down because I thought that they were so fascinating fascinating and so interesting. And one of them was um the calorie counting thing because it just oh my gosh, it blew my mind. And this is one of the things that I I wish that they had found a way to put into the movie because she has these just little moments of really intense introspection where she's like, I have suddenly clicked that this is the way that my brain works. And it's so interesting. She says, have reached point where believe nutritional ideal is to eat nothing at all. And that the only reason people eat is because they are so greedy. They cannot stop themselves from breaking out and ruining their diet. Yeah. I was so that's like, that moment where she what? talking to Tom. And then so he says this, and that bit is following or just before the bit where he's like, how many calories in this? And she's like this. And how many calories in this? She's like this. Yeah, she's like memorized. She's memorized how many calories and all these things. It's, and then he's, oh. she, he says, that's weird that you know that. And she says, oh, it's like her times tables. And then he tests her on her times tables. She doesn't know them. And he's like, and he, he says something that's basically like, I'm concerned for you. Hmm. And also, we here at We Read the Book would just like to say, fuck those standards, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember as well, when this movie came out, Renee Zellweger was praised for being larger in this movie. Like, yeah. Like being naked on screen and actually having thighs 
and boobs. And it's like, she is not large. She is like, what, a 12? Hmm. If that, maybe a 10? Yeah. Because she's petite. She's tiny. So, like, she's not a big girl. And like, but it was revolutionary. It was to revolutionary. Be to not an have average sized person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, not, and I shouldn't say that because is. I shouldn't be down on women who have a different size body than I do. But like, it's just so fucking shit that the book talks about it in like these ways that it's like it's harmful to women. And then the movie comes out, and all the tabloids and stuff are like, Renee Zellweger is a big woman, and it's like, no, she's not. Yeah, there was there was a lot of. <laughs> social questioning in the book that I really enjoyed that just, you know, they weren't able to bring that to the movie, which was a bit disappointing. Yeah. And I really, I really identified with a lot of the stuff that she says about Christmas because I find Christmas to be incredibly stressful and I would honestly just like to skip it when it comes around every year. And she like has a little rant towards the end of the book about how, you know, commercialized Christmas has become and how gift giving has become this, what does she say? No longer tokens of love, but angst ridden solutions to problems by which she means like problems that you're having with your friends and your family, where you try to like get the perfect gift because you somehow tell yourself that that makes up for not actually investing in the relationship that you had with them during the course of the year. And I just, yeah, I, I identified so hard with that and was just like, is that in the movie? No, it's not. They don't have time to talk about Christmas existential crises when there's, you know, a love triangle happening. <laughs> um, okay, let's press on because <laughs> there's a lot of issues in this uh, thing. We will cover them. Um, I could rant about Christmas for a while, so let's not. <laughs> we'll have you back on our Christmas episode. Um, Bridget gets a new job in television. Yeah. Because she obviously can't be around the publishing place anymore because that would mean being around Daniel. Yeah, she burns Daniel real good on her way out the door. Oh, yes. That scene is very good. And the music cue is very good, too. Yes, the music in this scene is great. And also... The music in this whole thing is pretty on point. Like, we didn't even... We brushed right past the credits all by myself. Yeah. The opening credits thing. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of good songs. Um, I want to say also about this scene where she quits her job and Daniel's trying to get her to not do it. In both the book and the movie, so she's got this um, colleague called Perpetua who she spends most of the book where she's working there hating. Yep. And then I think there's one moment prior to this where she's like, oh, maybe Petra's not so bad. Mm. And then um, they kind of touch on it in the movie, but in the book, uh, Daniel's trying to get her to stay, basically. And um, Perpetua bursts into the office and she's like, you piece of shit, you, <laughs> you, you dumped her. How dare you tell her she can't quit this job? Like... You asshole, you... And then I think in the movie she's like, she's like, I want to hear this because if she gives an inch, I'm going to fire her bony little bottom. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good line. I really, yeah, I really liked that bit in the book and the movie because I really like bits, especially in movies like this, where there's, like, female solidarity mm. um, and that women aren't trying to tear each other down. Yep. A plus. We get to somewhere where Mark... Uh, so the, when do they meet up again? It's just sort of a... A dinner thing of one of her friends, like they go to an old, like a, a long-standing dinner invitation. Or something yeah, she like runs into him in a lot of like family and family adjacent yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, close circles. Um, and Mark ends up confessing to Bridget that he likes her just the way she is. Oh, uh, and then he helps her like uh, in her job, like because he's uh, got like, lawyer connections, helps her to get like an interview in this big legal case that's happening. Yeah, yeah it which was is really big for her career. Oh yeah, like it's done. It's done a little bit more. I feel comedically in the movie, like in the book, it's kind of like there is this pretty much disaster, and she does not know how the, how the hell she's going to recover from like missing well, a really she's already, important interview. She's already screwed up once at her yeah. job. She was given this is the fireman's yeah. pole bit so she's given an interview to do and basically yeah slides down the fireman's pole and that's the only bit of the interview that they show and then she's given this second chance and to go and um get like a serious interview with this uh it's weird in the book because they say he's a human human rights lawyer but then they give him this murder case this national murder case that's a human right not to be murdered well, so so it's like the nanny murdered the, the nanny murdered the, 
employer because he was raping her basically in the book but that's not what a human rights lawyer would be doing that's no. a de- that's a criminal defense yeah. lawyer no i think that that's in the book yeah and then in the movie they actually give him like a freedom fighter that he's like defending who who what, they were trying to extradite because yeah. in the book she thinks that she's being asked to do a particular story but then it turns out that her boss like said the wrong name to her and it was a different story no he she yeah he says a weird name to her and she's like pretends she knows what he's talking about mm. and on the way out patchouli's like um who's his assistant is like you know he means this person not what he said yeah i love that his assistant's name is patchouli yeah well that anyone's name is patchouli <laughs> yeah she's buying um she's buying sweets and cigarettes at the corner shop when the person comes out of the person that Mark's defending comes out that she doesn't know that Mark's defending but um comes out of the court and so and then a, t- a camera operator's like we missed him and she's like oh no I've ruined everything and then Mark's standing there and he's like actually I'm his defense lawyer so you can get an exclusive interview is basically what happens handy yep helps to have connections yep um and so Bridget start through all this like goodwill stuff starts developing feelings for Mark mm-hmm um, and then she holds a dinner party for herself for her birthday. Yeah, for as you do. a couple friends, and uh, she invite she invite Mark, or does he just like rock up? He just rocks up. Just kind of weird. He no he he doesn't know it's her birthday. I don't think. Oh, okay. He just comes to see her, and she's already cooking, and she's like, "It's my birthday. Why don't you stay?" Yeah. Okay. So cooking is not going well. Suffice to say, <laughs> um, true uh, disaster fashion. Yeah. She makes blue soup, omelette, and marmalade. <laughs> Which she doesn't intend to, but that's what happens. Yeah, is hard, people. <laughs> we're not all we're not all Master Chef uh, quality. I really love how just absurdly optimistic she is about it. Like in the book and in the movie. Like in the book, it's a lot more like Bridget. How do you not know that? Like you can't just look at a recipe in a book and then go. Like, not even get all of the ingredients. She she goes back to the grocery store, like, three times in the book while she's preparing for this dinner. And she never cooks for herself normally. Normally she eats takeout or, um like, pre-prepared Sainsbury's meals. So she has literally no idea what she's doing, and she just, like, with the, with the blithe, unassuming confidence, just goes, yeah, I can totally do a three-course meal in my and tiny she little chooses, kitchen. like, souffle with, like... Grand Marnier cream oh and like like the most complicated recipes in the book. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She um, she really does a number on herself with yep. this menu. But thankfully Mark is there and he's got some cooking skills. Yeah. And then they're just flirting with each other basically. Yeah. It's really cute. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure in the book, like her friends before coming to her house for dinner, like literally booked themselves a restaurant table because yeah. they just kind of assumed that, yeah, no, Bridget is not going to I cook or she's two... going to cook and not succeed. I think there's – because this does – the blue soup thing does happen in the book. So yes. I think there's two times she tries to cook. The first time yes. they book a restaurant and the second time they come over and that's the blue soup one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's really funny. Uh, so Daniel Lander arrives uh, drunk and um, uh, through like just – Back and forth with Mark, who's also there, um, and their history uh, that they both have. They end up fighting in the street. It's, I <laughs> mean, like, fighting is bad, but it's also funny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a hilarious scene. They, like, crash into a the Greek restaurant across the... Um, also, Tom is so funny here. Yes. <laughs> he, like, goes... So, they're fighting in the street, and Tom goes across the Greek restaurant. He's like, a fight! A real fight! <laughs> <laughs> So good. It's one of those things that, like, if you think about it happening in real life, you're like, oh, I wouldn't want to see that, but I kind of do. <laughs> I really and, love the music for this scene. And then they crash through the restaurant, and yep. then everyone has to stop while, like, a cake gets brought out because it's, like, a teenager's birthday. And, and they're like, awkwardly everyone's... joining in singing the happy birthday. <laughs> and then immediately start fighting again. It's so it's good. Great. so well filmed. Uh, in the end, Mark ends up, like, knocking Daniel out. Yep. And, um... Bridget's like, that's too violent. I don't like you. And then uh, also doesn't like Daniel because he was drunk and rude. Uh, and so she rejects them both. It's a pretty good scene. Iconic. Even. <laughs> uh, this is the part like where we kind of get to Bridget's mum uh, and that in the in the film. Yeah. And I would say probably around the same time in the book where we have a long... Oh, yeah, because it's, it's the night of the dinner. Yeah. So 
there's the night of the dinner that they're just clearing everything away and her dad calls her and says I've got some terrible news and then Mark drives her up to her parents house and and then that all comes in there yeah, yeah. so this is where like, the plot does kind of start diverging because yeah. obviously everything with Mark is quite different in the yeah, the events the, the events of the book much more closely echo in Pride and Prejudice where her youngest sister runs off with the the cad. What a great word. I've, I've forgotten what his name is, but, you know, it's fun to say cad. Um, so her youngest sister runs off with this guy and then Darcy goes and finds them and basically, like, rescues her sister, brings her home. So in the book it's actually her mother, which is really interesting kind of role reversal. <laughs> Um, so in the film, uh, like, she obviously Bridget's mum leaves her father to go have an affair with Julian. Um, it ends up, like, over a couple scenes, uh, it, they end the affair and, like, they just get back together because that's what happens. Yep. Very and... British. Oh, this, this scene, though, when her mum comes back, so it's Christmas Day, the end of Christmas Day, and her mum comes in and they're sitting together and then I think she says, like, can you take me back? And he, he says, oh no, I don't think I can, or something. And then her mum starts to cry, and he's like, I'm only joking, of course I'm going <laughs> to take you back. And then, yeah, and I know, Jim Broadbent's so cute. He and is, I just, he's great. I just, that was so cute. I really liked that scene. Uh, Bridget's mum reveals here that, uh, to Bridget, and this is book exclusive, so movie exclusive only, that uh, Mark and Daniel, like the lie that Daniel told earlier was a lie. Yep. Um, and that it was actually the other way around, and that's Daniel... Uh, had an affair with well uh, Daniel and Mark's wife was cheating on him with Daniel yes yeah and there's a very graphic sex shot here yes like the most graphic one of the movie like all of a sudden you're like whoa because <laughs> every other every other scene they faded to black yeah and all of a sudden you get yeah it was very surprising because it's really weird that a movie goes like oh, this is the standard for sex scenes, and then all of a sudden you're, like, full frontal. It was weird Maybe to me. Maybe it was just, like... <laughs> like, it's well, like oh, I can do we it. We don't see their faces, so I doubt that was Hugh Grant. Body double. Yeah. Yeah. Sex double. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I just found that very strange. Uh, we get to Mark's parents' anniversary uh, do, uh, where Bridget uh, rocks up and confesses, like, her feelings to Mark. Um, despite the union fighting in the street earlier and, and all that that's happened. Uh, and Mark reveals that he and Natasha have jobs waiting for them in New York. And also are getting the married. Yes, because that's the proper thing to do. Right. Um, and Bridget kind of interrupts a toast to their um, uh, like future engagement. Uh, By yelling no. Yeah. yeah. Smooth, so smooth, Bridget. I get, I think I've said before, but like, I get the worst secondhand embarrassment. Like, yeah. I literally cannot deal. Um, I muted the TV so many times during this movie. Wow. Like the at the at the Kafka book thing, I muted it. At this point, I muted it. Like, there were so many times where she was talking, and I was like, I cannot listen to this. Like, I know that she's being awkward. That's all I need to know. I don't need the words. I've got the context, right? Music. Especially if you've seen it before. Like, I haven't seen it before. Oh, really? Oh, no. But okay. I've re- I mean, I've, I've yeah, read the book, so I was like, I know what happens. So I was like, I literally cannot with this. Yeah, I, uh, there were a few times where I paused and then like did a little lap around the house just being like, ah, 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 ah. okay, okay. Yeah, that's why I say all the characters are not my favourite characters no, at all. No, I literally can't do it. It's difficult. Um, but she does like uh, give like this awkward speech that interrupts the toast and it's kind of endearing, uh, especially to Mark who like obviously has the feels for it um, and doesn't really like want Natasha. Uh, but... Uh, he goes to New York anyway. Or so you think. <laughs> uh, Bridget's friends kind of want to cheer up, so they uh, like surprise her with this like trip to Paris. Yeah, she's bumming around her apartment. Which is what you do. They're like, "Come, we're going to Paris. Let's go." It's the, the funny thing is, like, you, it, in Australia, you're like that's like a huge deal, but yeah. like in England, it's like a, it's a it's a weekend. Yeah, it's so easy to get there. Damn you, Europe. Stupid Europe. <laughs> you go one hour away from us, you're either in the ocean or in the desert. Both of those are great holiday destinations. Or even worse, in Armadale. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad suburb, if, unless you live there. 
In which case, I'm sure it's great. In which case, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, before she can leave, Mark arrives at her flat in a last-ditch effort. And we're like, yay, everything is fine. Yep. And so they're, <laughs> they're about to do the sexy things. Yeah, he's trying to kiss her. Like, her friends are being weird. And then they're like, let's go inside. And he's trying to kiss her. And she's like, I have to go to my bedroom. Because <laughs> she needs to change into sexy undies. Because that's what you have that's to do. That's what you have to do, apparently. Yeah, you, can't, well, you can't be in granny panties. Yeah. Because yeah. men, men super care about women's underwear. Yeah. Like... The part where the underwear are on is the most important That's part. the most important bit to the man. That's why I we leave them on for that. like 90% of, of yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. I have found that, that <laughs> men super care about what women are wearing. And um, while she's in the bedroom, he is like... Flipping looking, through Yeah, flipping through like the things on her side table there and he sees her diary and he opens it not knowing what it is and then he sees like pages and pages of her being like he's such an asshole i hate him because <laughs> let's talk about the diary here for a moment like do you think it, it doesn't appear all that much in this this film given that like it's about a diary but we hear her internal monologue right? yeah it's almost yeah. entirely replaced by her like narrating so yeah stuff. we we I guess we're assuming that when she's monologuing, that's when she's writing. Yeah, I mean, you can't. You can, you, I don't expect them to like show us shots of her sitting down and writing a diary entry. Yeah. They show it um, enough to yeah. remind you that she is. Yeah. Uh, and so Mark seeing Alyssa is like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, he's like, all right then. And then just like walks out the house and you're like, no. You're so close. You're so close. And she comes out and she's like, where did he go? And she sees him walking away and she calls for him. And she runs out the house in a cardigan, underwear, and trainers. As you do. As yeah. you do. When Tiger it's print snowing. Underwear, Tiger imagine. print underwear. No, it's leopard print. Well, excuse me. <laughs> Honestly, Adam. Um, and then runs after him, and she loses him, and she's standing in, like, the village square, basically, like, where the shops are. I mean, she lives in London, but, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, he comes out of a shop and he's like, I was just buying you a new diary. And so you can, like, you know, send a fresh start. Yeah. <laughs> and um, That's more embarrassment for her. And people around them are, like, looking at her because she's standing there in underwear, which I really enjoyed. Like, there's two old ladies standing off the side being like, what the hell? <laughs> Major side eye. Uh, there's, just, like, there's just something about, like, when, when someone's in an awkward position, like, there's always two old ladies around to see yeah. it and yeah. judge. Yeah, or a nun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, hooray. Yep. Hooray. All, all's well that ends well. Uh, so let's recommend Bridget Jones Diary. Thumbs up or thumbs, uh, or thumbs down for book and film. Uh, thumbs up for both for me. I thought they were both good. Like I said, I found the movie incredibly awkward to watch. Mm. But I liked it. And I really enjoyed the book. So if you haven't read it, it's really easy to read. Um, I read it in a couple of hours. Cool. Shane? Yeah, I think that I think that if you like a little bit of like complexity in the stuff that you like if you take if you take them at face value, you do get a little bit overloaded with the cringe, especially the movie. But I think it's definitely well worth well worth a read, well worth a watch, because it's interesting to see sort of where the book and the novel fit in in terms of like and not to get too wanky but the socio-cultural landscape and knowing stuff about someone on our podcast used the word socio-cultural <laughs> someone on the podcast used the word wanky <laughs> <laughs> i think knowing more about the background and that the the both the book and the movie were inspired quite heavily by pride and prejudice you do start to notice a lot of the nods to it and that for me definitely increased my enjoyment of both of them yeah, obviously I cannot uh, give a verdict on the book, but uh, I'm happy to give a thumbs up for the film, which is unusual for me. I, it was actually Kat who like made me watch this for the first time. It was like one of those film, like classic films that I'd never mm. seen. Um, she loves it, and uh, I, yeah, I thought it was entertaining. It's, it's like it's never going to make it on my all-time favorite movies list, but I think it's a uh, as rom-coms go. This one, despite being a little trophy at times, does like have a lot of enjoyable stuff to watch if you can bear the awkward moments. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think like the character is like interesting for for a, a rom com protagonist as well. You know, like, there's just that enough that makes it different and and worth watching. Mm. Um, let's talk about things that aren't uh, Bridget Jones and her diary. Uh, I recently rewatched Venom. 
which I saw in the cinema, but I really liked it. I bought it on Blu-ray. I really enjoy that movie. I know people had a lot of issues with it, but I think it's really funny, and I think Tom Hardy does a really, really good job in it. He's really good in most of his movies, yeah. let's be honest. Like, the fact that he's playing two characters often simultaneously, like, is just mind-blowing. He's such a good actor, and he does, because I, I watched all the special features, he, he does, like, most of the physical work himself. Um, he actually asked them so that he could hear Venom's voice as if it was actually in his head. He would pre-record Venom's lines and they'd put sound mixing and stuff over them a little bit. And then he would wear an earpiece during the scene so that he could hear himself being Venom while delivering his lines as Eddie. Whoa. That's cool. I mean, that is, I mean, he, and he was the one who came up with that. They didn't say, oh, we, this is what we're going to do. He was like, I think we should do this so that it's more, I'm reacting in real time to talking to myself. That's um, very cool. Yeah. I mean, I just think he's incredible. I really, and I really enjoyed that movie. It is silly and there's some plot holes in it, but like, I, yeah, I super enjoyed it and I would recommend it to anybody who likes like kind of funny, schlocky, sci-fi action movies, because, yeah. Shane? Um, recently, I have been reading for the first time uh, Guards, Guards by Terry Pratchett. So I, I'm the kind of person who wants to go through things in sort of, you know, the order in which they are intended to be read. So I've already read, like, The Colour of Magic and a couple of other books, but I got told that Guards, Guards is a really good introduction to the Terry Pratchett universe. So I'm... Not very far into it, but I have really been enjoying it so far. It's got a lot of really just fun and interesting turns of phrase, and the interplay between the main characters is really good, and it's just, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun, and I would definitely recommend it as a good starting point for anyone who's not super familiar with the Pratchett universe. Can you give us like a one or two sentence summary of like what it's about? Um, so it's based in Evmaport, which is basically like the city in the Terry Pratchett universe, and it's following the adventures of the now defunct um, watchmen, basically, that the police of the city have been kind of bureaucratically rendered obsolete now that the Thieves Guild has been given like an official sanction and have been like crime is a thing that you have scheduled and have insurance for and the thieves guild can only operate within like government guidelines of who they're allowed to rob and when it's really it's really interesting so the watch is basically if you are too useless to work anywhere else you get assigned to the watch where you just kind of live out your life walking around the city and announcing the time um but they get a new recruit from a different land who literally read like the old law book on his way over and wants to be like a real member of the watch and so on his like first day of the job he arrests the head of the thieves guild and gets himself and the rest of the watch into massive trouble and it's just this really cute and hilarious thing where nobody really understands what is going on and they're all just trying to figure stuff out it's it's really good i definitely recommend it and it is quite a short and light read as well Cool. I'm playing Kingdom Hearts. I that does not surprise me. Last time or not, but you and the rest of the world. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's. I'm pretty sure I talked about this on the Captain America episode, which we didn't. Will not have been released by the time you hear this. But uh, it's just great. Um, Kingdom Hearts is amazing. It's. It's so dumb, <laughs> and there's like plot holes coming out the wazoo. Uh, the wazoo, eh? <laughs> As a, like, as a franchise, like, it's been 14 years since the last mainstream game, but in that time they released, like, five spin-off games, which are all relevant and, like, two of them are ne necessary for you to understand the plot of this. But, like, I just couldn't recommend it highly enough. It's, if you like Final Fantasy or Disney, then it's, like, it's for you. And if you like both those things, that's what it is. Exactly those things together. Um... Like if you want to see Donald Duck fighting 13 versions of the same guy who time-traveled to make himself the most evil guy in existence, then, boy howdy, the video game exists. Wow. <laughs> um, it's, it's just great. I love it. Um, please play this game. <laughs> they, they say darkness. I think someone did like a supercut of uh, the amount of times they say darkness <laughs> in this film. 
I say in this video, in not this video game, but like the franchise, and it's like so. There's maybe like seven or eight games, and like in cutscenes, they've said the word darkness about five hundred and twenty times. That is, and it's just like so. You just get this, this ten minutes of darkness, darkness, dark, darkness. <laughs> it's great. Um, watch, play this game. Watch the cutscenes. It's great. It's dumb. <laughs> Next time on We Read the Book, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's Rich again. It's The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing this. Um, is, is that the byline on the movie poster? Because if it's not, it should be. Leo's Rich again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't see it when it came out. I don't really have that much of an idea of what it's about, to be honest. He wears a suit, yeah. and then he wears another suit. It just didn't seem like... a third suit. My guess on the plot is that he invests in things, and somehow it goes bad. He invests in wolves. <laughs> That's why yeah, he, puts, he puts on a fursuit and goes to Wall Street. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> the furry of Wall Street. It's a, actually um, a, a, a prequel to The Revenant, which is what he won the Oscar for. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. The Leo DiCaprio-verse. He have an Oscar. Leo? He won one for The Revenant. Yeah, he finally has one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. he won one for that bear film he was in. The oh. bears. Okay. <laughs> so you could say he barely won? Uh, I don't you know. could, sorry, yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, you sorry. Could, yeah. I guess <laughs> you wanted to. This is um, what happens when you play too much D and D. You just start to pun all the time. Uh, you can find and contact us at wereadthebook at gmail on Twitter at readthebookpod, and on Facebook at the We Read the Book discussion group. Yep. And of course, you can subscribe to us on iTunes uh, or on Stitcher for Android. Um, we'll appear fortnightly. We apologize for the. Long delay between last episode. It's just been a uh, holiday fun season for everyone. <laughs> yeah, sorry that we've been a bit um, erratic. We'll get back on schedule. Yeah. Thanks to the Dada Weatherman for the use of our theme song, Human Light. It's a good song. And that will about do us for it for now. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. For now, I'm an emotional fuckwit, Adam Heap. I'm Lois Granny Pandy Mitchell. And I've been Shania and Colin Firth, call me. <laughs> we'll see you in a couple of weeks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Yes, because he's one of the five older British actors. Yeah, I was talking on the way here. Like um, when we talk about Hugh Grant and Colin Firth, they're like the only. I'm like always get their names and faces confused because I'm like they're the two British actors. <laughs> yeah, there's like ten people in Britain, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Small country. Yeah, there were five at the time of the movie being made. These days, there's at least ten. Yeah. <laughs>